Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? And if I sound excited, it's because I am. I have a great show for you guys. And welcome into the Wednesday, July the 3rd edition of the Locked on Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it is all about the future of the football team. We haven't talked much about the coaching staff since their respective appointments back in March. So we go back under the hood and tell you about the units that stand the best chance to develop young talent this year and beyond. Plus, we're going to look at two different potential lineups for the 2020 season, and we'll finish up with a game of what's more likely. All of that and more, but first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, as voted by Dolphins Twitter, and you can follow the show at LockedOnFins. Plus, check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We have tons of content coming for you guys. My development piece is up there live right now. We've got Madden ratings. Kevin Dern's working on a piece. Chris Kowalowski's working on a piece. And so is Jason Harina. So keep it locked on LOD.com. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go. That's another Miami Dolphins and back before anything even happened this offseason, I tweeted a potential tank for Tua lineup, if you will, in 2020. Now, that was pretty much a miss because of the big money guys that I had assigned to the football team this year, like Trey Flowers, and that list included 2020 free agent A.J. Green, and I do think the wide receiver position will be a big area of emphasis this offseason in terms of developing and finding a number one target, but I'm not sure the age and the injury history of A.J. Green will intrigue this team, especially considering what his asking price will likely be. Plus, I'm sure he's going to want to go to a team prominently in their contention window, given the fact that he has played for the Cincinnati Bengals and that trash organization for so many years now. AJ Green tangents aside, I wanted to look at two different possible lineups for the 2020 season as we look ahead after what might be a challenging, more developmental-based season this year. And the first one starts with Josh Rosen. The second one is without Josh Rosen because contingency plans are all the rage on the Locked On Dolphins podcast lately, apparently. And to execute this exercise, you have to get into the weeds, into the potential free agency class which obviously includes a lot of guesswork, and there are plenty of lower bargain basement type of players I won't include here, but just looking at the potential class before it does get depleted by franchise tags and re-signings, it's absolutely loaded. Go with the quarterbacks. I mean, we know this is all going to go away, but Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and Phillip Rivers are scheduled for free agency next year. All three of those guys will get snatched up. But for guys that could conceivably change teams, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Teddy Bridgewater, at running back, you've got Melvin Gordon, Derek Henry, Kareem Hunt, and then lower guys like Gio Bernard, Theo Riddick, and Chris Thompson. At wideout, we mentioned A.J. Green, Amari Cooper, even though he is absolutely going to get redone in Dallas. Robbie Anderson, 
This wideout group is not great, but that coincides with the fact that this might be the best wide receiver class ever coming down the pipeline in this next year's draft. At tight end, you've got Eric Ebron, Hunter Henry, Max Williams, offensive tackle, and specifically for the Dolphins' sake of this exercise, we're looking at right tackles. I don't think you can pay for one of these guys given the fact that Laramie Tunzel's contract's coming up here pretty soon, but Lyle Collins, our second crack at him potentially, and Jack Conklin, who's most likely going to hit the market now that the Titans paid Taylor Lewan their left tackle. On the interior offensive line, Patriots guard Joe Tooney, Brandon Scherf is out there, J.C. Treader possibly hitting the market. On the defensive line, you've got Mike Daniels, even at 31, still dominant in his prime. Leonard Williams, Grady Jarrett. I mean, there's really more than you can even talk about on this defensive line class. And again, to reiterate, these guys will get snatched up once the season plays out. Linebacker Bobby Wagner, Vaughn Miller, Jadavian Clowney. Give me a break with those names. Danny Trevathan, Kyle Van Noy, a guy we've been trying to replicate in this defense all offseason. Cornerback Chris Harris, Jimmy Smith, Ronald Darby at safety, Jimmy Ward, Anthony Harris. The secondary is lacking a bit, and we have to factor in the draft class. Essentially, in the non-Rosen plan, what I did was took a quarterback in the first round, and in the Rosen plan, I took Iowa defensive end A.J. Epinesa, the do-everything edge player for the Hawkeyes. I think he'd be a rich man's version of Trey Flowers in this defense. So considering those free agents and this draft class, Here are my two projected 2020 lineups. Again, a massive disclaimer here. This is fun, or for fun rather, and in no way an actual prediction that I'm willing to attach my credibility to. So with that, let's go ahead and jump in. The with Josh Rosen lineup goes quarterback Josh Rosen, running back Kenyon Drake on a new contract. You guys all know how I feel about him. You can check him out on the prediction or five bold predictions piece up on LockedOnDolphins.com from earlier in the week. At fullback, I hope Chandler Cox works out. I don't know if he will, but there will be a fullback on this roster. So we'll go with Chandler Cox, the incumbent. Wide receivers, I'm going back to Stills, Wilson, and Grant, but I'm adding in the second round, the Dolphins' second round draft pick, T. Higgins, the tall ex-possibility receiver from Clemson. He is a stud at tight end. Mike Gesicki and Dwayne Allen, the exact same too, because I hope they develop this year, at least from Gesicki's standpoint. And we know what Allen can do in his role with possibly Durham Smythe there. My starting offensive line looks damn good. I've got Laramie Tunzel at left tackle, Joe Tooney at left guard, two Pro Bowl potential players right there. I think Michael Dieter in this situation kicks inside to center. Chris Reed earns the right guard job. And at right tackle, you could pay for a guy here. You could go in the draft, but I'm just going to assume that they develop and get Isaiah Prince a starting job to be their road grading right tackle because he can run block. They want to run the football. So we'll go with that. On defense, I just went by position, not like individual starters. On the defensive line, I've got AJ Epinesa with Christian Wilkins, Devon Godshaw, and Vincent Taylor. I love that group. Obviously, you need more bodies beyond those guys. Those are your top four. My top four linebackers, Raquan McMillan, Jerome Baker. I signed up Kyle Van Noy, and I've got Andrew Van Ginkle as a specialist rush package guy and coverage linebacker in that position as well. The secondary didn't change a lot. Xavier Howard, Bobby McCain, and then a mystery man fills in that role, whether it's Jalen Davis or Nick Needham. I think Miami's going to uncover a secret cornerback this year that no one knows about, but we will at this time next year. And then at safety, Minka Fitzpatrick, who also works as a cornerback as well. We know that. Rashad Jones gets things put back together this year. That's my prediction and becomes a stalwart on this defense once more. And I'm taking Jalen Thompson, the Washington State safety and 
this month's supplemental draft coming down the pipeline. He comes from the Washington State Cougars, go Cougs, down to Miami. Now, the lineup without Rosen is not a whole lot different. The big additions I made were T. Higgins, Joe Tooney, A.J. Epinesa, Kyle Van Noy, and Jalen Thompson. And there's basically only two changes here. So it goes at quarterback, I've got Jordan Love, the first-round draft pick, Kenyon Drake, Chandler Cox. I already talked about Stills, Wilson Grant. I'm still drafting T. Higgins in the second round behind Jordan Love to give him a target once he gets down here. Same tight ends. I'm going same offensive line, Tunzel, Tooney, Dieter, Reed, and Prince. On the defensive line, that's where the first change comes in. Instead of A.J. Epinesa, I'm bringing over longtime Packers great, future Ring of Honor guy there, possibly even Hall of Fame player Mike Daniels, who has been terrific. He comes over to execute Patrick Graham's two-gap read-react scheme. Christian Wilkins, Devon Gotcha, Vincent Taylor, we know about them. The linebackers are the same as well. In fact, the rest of the defense is the same with McMillan, Baker, Van Noy, and Van Ginkle, Howard, McCain, a mystery man, Fitzpatrick, Jones, and Thompson. So those are my potential potential lineups in 2020. I'd advise you guys to go check out the free agent list up on Sport Track for 2020. The class is absolutely loaded. And with this draft class so loaded at quarterback and wide receiver and some top shelf defensive talent in that class as well, it stands to reason that Miami can really do some damage in overhauling some of the key parts on this roster next year while developing guys this season. And speaking of developing guys this season, we're going to come back on the other side and talk about my piece up on LockedOnDolphins.com, which should inspire confidence through the development of this coaching staff and young roster. And speaking of developing... Is Joe Philbin in charge of developing your performance in the bedroom? Is Mike Tannenbaum the one putting together your roster when it comes to sexy time? Well, you should fire those guys and promote Brian Flores. And in this instance, Brian Flores is acting as Blue Chew. Listen up, guys. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Ditch the Matt Burke style defense and jump into the 21st century with Brian Flores and Patrick Graham and benefit from extra function and more confidence when it counts. Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Most guys talk a good game, but Blue Chew helps you follow through. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Very excited for this piece up on LockedOnDolphins.com as it takes a glimpse into the future while I listen to a song that takes me back to my high school days from Taking Back Sunday here on the intro into the second segment here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. And this article is taking a look at some of the future development prospects of this Miami Dolphins team. And when I went to write this article, I first 
I had to go backwards and look at the past and the failures of development under Stephen Ross since he bought this team because essentially the hallmark of the Stephen Ross era, at least early on, was all about getting the big names up on the marquee and that became increased tenfold when they hired Mike Tannenbaum who was basically the main culprit behind the Indomitian Sioux signing and while Indomitian Sioux and Brandon Albert and even Brandon Marshall to a lesser extent contributed in Miami. It's the signings like Mike Wallace and Danelle Ellerby packaging all those together that were evidence of a crippling systemic issue that was embedded deep inside the walls at Dolphins headquarters down in Davie, Florida. Poor teaching nurtured poor development and as a result, the Dolphins wasted so many resources outside of their most precious resources. Of course, I'm talking about first round draft picks, the high level free agents, anything else besides those, they pretty much couldn't put a product on the field if it wasn't those precious, precious high level resources like the first round draft picks. And that's not to say that there hasn't been a healthy uptick in recent years because there has been. Devon Godshaw and Vincent Taylor, a pair of defensive tackles who I think are both very solid, if not dependable and possibly going to break out this season. You've got Bobby McCain, a team captain, was a fifth round pick a few years back. Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balazs, the one-two punch this season, were third and fourth round draft picks respectively. And of course, you go back to 2016 and the guy that I think super highly of, he heard 185 names called before he got picked in the sixth round, talking of course about Jakeem Grant. And this roster this year is chalked full of developmental types. They didn't go after the high-level free agents like they probably would have if Adam Gaze and Mike Tannenbaum were still here. They hacked off that part of the roster, elevated some of the younger guys, gave them more responsibility, and continued to fill out the spots below them to try to increase the overall talent on this roster by developing those guys. And that basically starts with the coaching staff. And that was the premise of this article. Which positions full of young potential stars or young potential contributors, I suppose is the correct term, could pair up with this solid coaching staff and get this team to the next level, get them to sustain success like Steven Ross wants. And it starts at the cornerback position. Look, I'm not going to sit here and harp on this spot for another podcast. You guys have heard me talk about it. You know the names by heart now, just as I do in McTire and Davis and Tankersley, Jamal Wiltz, Nick Needham, whoever it might be, this group has to have a guy step up and fill that second cornerback role alongside Xavier Howard and the pairing of Bobby McCain and Minka Fitzpatrick. And looking at this article, what I did was tried to apply some of Josh Boyer's tutelage on the undrafted rookies he's dealt with, on revitalizing the career of an aging veteran who kind of faded into irrelevance. And we start with the UDFAs. We all know about Malcolm Butler. He was the star of Super Bowl 49, saved that game for the Patriots. J.C. Jackson, an undrafted free agent last year, he wins a Super Bowl in his first year, but he was solid throughout the course of that year with only a reception every 12.4 snaps he was on the field, and he allowed just .97 yards per snap that he played last season. Boyer in New England also resurrected Jason McCourty's career, who for four years in a row was basically irrelevant. The back end of his Titans career, he spent a year in Cleveland. Then he comes to the Patriots in 2018, and he has his highest PFF grade of his entire career. So that position group, I think, and I talked about it in the open, I think we're going to find someone who is not expected to play a significant role on the football team this year will step up and seize that role and make us feel better about it going into 2020. That's the prediction here 
at the cornerback spot with Josh Boyer. The second position group is the offensive line, particularly on the inside, where the Dolphins have failed to develop guard play and center play for so, so long. Basically, every single offensive lineman that had success on this Dolphins roster has pretty much been a first-round pick. Mike Pouncey, Jawan James, you have Laramie Tunzel out there now. Everybody else they tried to find, whether you go back to Sean Murphy and Joe Berger, or you come forward to guys like Isaac Asiata, it just never works out for them. And that's why they bring in Pat Flaherty, the Jaguars offensive line coach, who basically directed that locomotive of a ground game in 2017 that ranked 10th best in the NFL in run blocking, according to Pro Football Focus. But he did it with a second round draft pick, two third round draft picks, and two UDFAs. The idea there, a lack of resources, but still got some production out of them. Now they saw a severe regression to the mean last year. They lost multiple starters up front, but I reference a tweet from Chris Kaufman at CK Parrot, where he talks about Pat Flaherty's work with the Giants, where he worked with an assistant offensive line coach who happens to be his assistant offensive line coach this year, and Dave DeGugliamo, hope I pronounced that right, and Chris's tweet says this, DeGugliamo cut his teeth his teeth in the NFL, working for the Giants as an assistant under, you guessed it, Pat Flaherty. PFF didn't grade lines prior to 2006, but in 2006 through 2008, the lines they coached together ranked 5th, 1st, and 7th in run blocking. So there you have it. Now, who is the cast members of this potential group? We know about them as well. Laramie Tunzel's the obvious one. Michael Dieter could be his Brandon Linder that he had in Jacksonville, a solid starter and a third-round pick for the Jags in 2014. Daniel Kilgore, he was under... Flaherty's wing in San Francisco back in 2016. His second highest run blocking grade of his career in 16 came under Pat Flaherty. We talked about Chris Reed on the podcast multiple times. I actually like his tape a lot. He gets a chance to be a starter for the first time in his career, a 27-year-old with just 724 snaps under his belt, but he played under Flaherty in Jacksonville. I think that group stands to get better. Even though there's not a lot of resources invested in it, I think better coaching could get better offensive line play this year as well. And the third and final position on this article titled new focus on development should inspire confidence at these positions is the defensive line group as a whole because we talk about Marion Hobby and I'm sure that he was a direct correlation to the draft selection of Christian Wilkins Hobby recruited and coached Wilkins during his six-year stint at Clemson from 2011 through 2016. And then he came to the NFL for two years with the Jacksonville Jaguars and had that defensive line finish second in the NFL in sacks in 2017. And then they graded fifth in pass rushing on PFF last year. So Hobby has gotten results at both levels of the game. And I talked about this group with Vincent Taylor and Devon Godshaw. The biggest option or obstacle, I should say, that Marion Hobby has this year is trying to find reclamation from Charles Harris and also Tank Carradine. Now, Carradine's issue is the health and the medical, but if Charles Harris can get back to the level he played at early in his rookie season, then we might have something here in Marion Hobby. And I want to make a quick mention of Eric Studsville and Patrick Graham, two coaches whose units I did not include, but that had more to do with the personnel. I think Patrick Graham's a great option to throw into this group as well, but I think that Raekwon McMillan and Jerome Baker on their own will be just fine in the way Blake Martinez and Kyler Flackrell were in Green Bay. But also Graham put Clay Matthews back on the edge after kicking him inside for a couple of years with the Packers there. But Eric Studsville's group has been so... So impressive in the one year he had in Miami. I tweeted about it. Frank Gore put together his highest yards per carry average in the past seven years this last season under Studsville. Kenyon Drake had career highs in yards from scrimmage with 1,012 and touchdowns with 10. 
Brandon Bolden touched the ball a few times, but he went for a crazy 11.2 yards per carry mark, and the Dolphins were eighth in the NFL in yards per carry last year. The entire idea behind this article is that Miami, their idea to stop putting money and major resources into Band-Aid type of players is going to evolve into getting guys to develop late round prospects, low money guys, and make this team deep and consistent and make the program more important than the player. That's the idea. Check out the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com. Once again, titled New Focus on Development Should Inspire Confidence at These Positions. You can find that on the website. And on the podcast, we're going to come back here on the other side and play a game called What's More Likely? Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. I considered taking a day off this week for the holiday, but... I just don't really know where I come down on 4th of July celebrations anymore. Of course, as a kid, I loved the fireworks display and trying to blow as many things up as I possibly could. And then in my 20s, it was all about the party. But now I'm past both of those. And now I basically just get mad at people for scaring my cat with fireworks. So I'm not really sure where I come in in the whole pantheon of 4th of July celebrations But as far as the show goes, we roll on, baby. I'm not fucking leaving, as Leonardo DiCaprio said on The Wolf of Wall Street. And tomorrow's show, the 4th of July show, is going to be an audience-based show strictly. I want to get a massive Twitter mailbag. Going to take your questions on anything from 4th of July do's and don'ts, pop culture, football questions, and your own versions of our next game here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, which we are going to start right now. And I drew these up myself. I have three of them. And you guys can tell me which you prefer of the two options on Twitter, at Wingfield NFL. So we start here with what's more likely. And if you're a fan of the Around the NFL podcast, yes, I did shamelessly steal this segment from them. So props to those guys. They do a great job. We're going to take it Miami Dolphins version, though. What's more likely, the first one here is the hardest one I wrote down, I think, Albert Wilson or Jakeem Grant becomes a star player. Now, you don't have to think that one of them is going to happen, but which one's more likely? And I'm very conflicted on this one. The main factor holding me back on Wilson is the injury. Now, Kevin Dern, you guys know who he is. He's going to be on the Sunday night feature column as well as the podcast here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. But his wife works in the medical field and he was telling me from her that the moment he hurt that hip, it's a serious, serious injury. One that's very difficult to get back to full strength from. We saw him walking on a cane months after the injury. We saw him barely squatting 135 pounds back in the spring, just a plate on either side of the bar. But his legs are so thick and so well built. The guy's lower half is built like a house. To see him only squatting that much was kind of a concern. I know he's fresh off the injury, but we'll see where he falls. Plus, in watching his tape and going over all the charting metrics, he really doesn't produce on the outside, but I think that Jakeem Grant can produce both on the inside and the outside, and he's a lot smaller, but my God, is he explosive. Both of these guys are very explosive. I think these could both be top-level number two wide receivers, so the likelihood of either of them becoming a star probably isn't great, but if I had to choose one, I'm going to go with Jakeem Grant because I'm worried about Albert Wilson's hip, and I also think Grant can play better on the outside of the formation as well. Number two, 
What's more likely, Xavier Howard or Minka Fitzpatrick leads the team in interceptions? And Minka could be the funnel of this defense. He could be the guy they try to force things to and let him kind of freelance and roam around the defense. His versatility certainly helps in this regard. And that argument... It also goes against Xavier Howard. Let's get this out of the way right off the top. Xavier Howard's one of the best, if not the best, ball hawks at the position in the National Football League. His hands and his ball tracking skills, both 10 out of 10, would bang. But I think people finally know who he is across the league. You'd think they'd wise up trying to throw him, throw at him rather in coverage. And Minka, I think, winds up with like five interceptions this year. He had a couple last year. I think he gets better and more comfortable actually having an idea of what his role is in Brian Flores and Patrick Graham's defense compared to Matt Burke's defense, which nobody knew what the hell was going on. I think Howard gets two or three picks, but still has his best season as a pro. And I know that sounds completely counterintuitive to the average fan, but let's be real here. You guys aren't the average fan. That's why you listen to this podcast with the most in-depth coverage of your Miami Dolphins. And the third and final what's more likely question here on the Wednesday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, Josh Rosen is the answer or we see the signs of a dominant defense right away in year number one under Brian Flores. And some would argue that rookie seasons don't tell you a lot for a quarterback. Some say it means everything. I tend to drive down the middle of the road on that one. I just think you have to go with a defense here because you have more bites at the apple. Look, if Josh Rosen doesn't work out, that's it. That's the end of the argument for him being the franchise quarterback. And let's be real about it. A lot of the things on this team are stacked against him right away, mainly the fact that this team could win four or five games and be in position to go after one of the top quarterbacks in a loaded quarterback draft class. So he has an uphill battle to climb. Now, there's more bites at the apple on the defensive side because I'm a big believer in Raekwon McMillan and Jerome Baker at linebacker. I'm a big believer in Minka Fitzpatrick, Xavier Howard, and Bobby McCain at cornerback in the secondary. I'm a big believer of Vincent Taylor, Devon Godshaw, and Christian Wilkins on the defensive line, and I'm a huge believer in this defensive scheme really kind of transforming some of the talent on this defense because I think the scheme on the defense, as bad as many people want to say Adam Gaze was with the play calling and the scheme and the convolution and the outsmarting himself, yeah, it was bad. But the Miami Dolphins defensive scheme the last two years under Matt Burke was atrocious. It was a train wreck. I think it'll be a big upgrade this year. I think all the names I just told you about are going to be plus level contributors, guys that are thought of around the league as good quality players. And with that, I think the defense has a better chance to become dominant right away than Josh Rosen has a chance to become the franchise quarterback in 2019. Okay, that's going to do it for me on today's edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. Send me your answers to those what's more likely questions. Send me new what's more likely questions. I want to hear from you guys on the Twitter mailbag. That tweet should be up on Twitter right now. Get in there. Ask me some questions. Enjoy your 4th of July tomorrow. And I will be with you guys on the holiday for tomorrow's podcast. But please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night and enjoy this nostalgic flashback of high school emo music. We'll be back tomorrow for another edition of Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Happy 4th and Fins up.